As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Luna, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so pumped to talk to you. I only know you because we met at uh, someone's surprise birthday party or yeah. some version of that. Um, so <laughs> we never got to talk super in depth. So I'm really pumped to talk to you. Yeah, I know. I'm excited to talk to you too. I got a really good vibe from you. So I'm happy. That oh, we're hell yeah. Um, I was like listening. This is off topic. I was on my Spotify or whatever, just like on shuffle. And I had one of your songs on my Spotify, and I didn't even know that it was you. Really? Wait, what's yeah. that? Oh, let me look. That's and it funny. came on, and I was like, <gasps> I was like, what the fuck? This is so cool. You mean you didn't even know? I know. Get in there. <laughs> Honey. Honey, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a, that, that looks like a popular one. It's pretty popular, yeah. Yeah, and it just came up on my shuffle, and I was like, like, like I had to have saved it, like it was in my songs. That's so, so I was awesome. like, what a tiny world. No, you're just good. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, I'll accept the compliment. <laughs> okay, so the first question that I usually ask to start this off is: Is there a low point, a challenge, low season in your life? that you're most proud of overcoming or are or currently overcoming um, that you can share with us? Whether I, it can be childhood, adolescence, yesterday, whatever. I mean, oh my gosh. This is kind of a loaded question because I feel like I have so many. <laughs> That's as, pretty much like, what everybody a, says, yeah. As a female artist too, especially, or just as a female just in general, I feel like there's been a lot of like overcoming um, you know, sort of conditioned programming, learning. I, it, yeah, I, uh, I grew up Mormon. Oh, I didn't know I, that. Yeah. Where'd so I, I say it like I've known you forever. I didn't know that. <laughs> I know. I, I, I should just tell people that immediately. Hello. Hi. hi Mormon. Nice to meet you. Ex-Mormon. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for Thank being you. here. Okay. Um, where, wait, where did you grow up? I grew up in Arizona, um, so there's lots of Mormons there because it shares, you know, a border with Utah, and there's tons of Mormons there. Um, yeah, so I, I I grew up Mormon. I am a woman in the music industry, so there's lots to unpack there. And then uh, I also, my younger brother passed away when I was 21, like right when I was like really getting started in music. So I feel like those three things are like the biggest obstacles that I've had to face throughout my life but I've yeah. made it out on the other side yeah uh let's talk about the Mormon thing first uh so <laughs> you grew you're are you still you're not Mormon still no 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 I'm not no okay so you grew up Mormon I did yeah I was I was raised Mormon um my parents worked a lot and in the Mormon church you really have to like dedicate a lot of your time to the church so it's not just going to church you have to 
you know, teach classes, you have to um, participate in like youth events. And it's just, it ends up being like a four day a week type of situation. Um, so, so my parents didn't really have the time for that. So they taught us about the Mormon church growing up and they took us to church every once in a while, but they weren't very devout um, and attending church all the time. Uh, but then I, because of where I grew up, I grew up in the East Valley. I, anyone that I was hanging out with was pretty much Mormon. So I kind of got like sucked in that way through my friends. And I would just go to church with my, with my friends' families. And I did that from like 13 until like 19. Okay. And then what, what did they teach? What did you learn? And then what made you go, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I mean, so the Mormon church, the thing about the Mormon church is that they, they really do have great teachings. I mean, they, they're essentially just teaching you how to be a good person and, you know, how to serve people, how to be giving, how to be loving. Um, they, they're Mormons are the nicest people in the entire world. They will give you the shirt off their back, but I think internally within the organization of the church, it felt very judgmental. It felt very like keeping up with the Joneses, um, you know, there were perfect Mormons and then there were like the other Mormons that everyone just kind of looked down on. Like that's, that's sort of what it felt like. And then on top of that, just being a woman in the church, you're taught that your entire life's purpose is to get married, have a family and that's it. (laughs) And, you know, and serve your husband essentially, and just basically just be like a servant for your husband and your children for the rest of your life. And, um, and to serve your church to spend every like waking moment, like doing lesson plans and, you know, babysitting and and doing whatever you can to help the church. And I had this other thing, which was music, which was, you know, a gift that I, I look at it as a gift and it wasn't something that I wanted to just like squander away because I was told that like, this is my entire purpose. I wanted to, really see how far I could take it and and see my potential and it just didn't allow me to do that without feeling intense shame Mm. so that's when I was just like this probably just isn't for me anymore yeah okay so this is okay so you're 19 and you're like where okay I'm gonna take it back you did you went to high school or did you yeah okay and then what happens after high school? Because you're still at 18. You're still in the Mormon church. You are in high school. What next? What happens in your life? I mean, at that point, I had already been like questioning everything. But when you are, when you've built your entire life around a religion and a faith, it's really, really hard for you to even listen to yourself. Mm. Um let alone listen to like the rest of the world telling you like, oh, you're Mormon. Like, that's kind of crazy. Cause I, I was also very heavily involved in music at that time. So I was surrounded by people that were not Mormon and I was surrounded by people that like were very curious about it. Um, but yeah, I, I knew in my heart that it wasn't for me, but I, I would still, I think out of like shame and fear, I would still participate because I, there was still that like very conditioned belief that like my soul was on the line if I were to give it up. Um, yeah, which, which is, is like every religion too. And the like exactly. kind of scariest part about religion and like the power structure to me is that, and people do 
do this and get away with it is like you can do you can say anything and get anything by just being like if you don't do this you're going to hell or whatever version of that exactly which like is spiritual abuse you know and and I've, I've I've experienced you know, my, thankfully my parents were never like shoving it down my throat. I mean, you know, my, my mom would prefer me to be practicing, but you know, she loves me no matter what. It's not like a big deal to her, but, um, but I've seen, you know, friends, families like completely disown them for not wanting to attend church and treat them like, you know, they are the worst thing to exist. And I've seen kids get kicked out for being gay and, all sorts of horrible things. And I, I, I'm really lucky that I had a family that was very loving, but I did experience a lot of really disheartening and and disturbing things in the church as well. Yeah. And it's just, it's not just Mormon. Like it's literally every religion that has horror stories like this, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, organized religion is, is just what it is. It's I, I, the way I look at it and this is my, is my perspective. I think that it does a lot of good in the world but I think it also does a lot of bad I think that there's a lot of individual pain that can be found in organized religion but I think also as a whole like a lot of people turn to their faith to survive you know they've gone through in their lives and it brings them peace and and for that I I think it's a good thing but I do think that like once you start getting into the nitty-gritty of the organization of the faith I think that's when you know things get a little convoluted and lost Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I mean anything where there's like a power a set power structure set you know and then on top of it add the whole and your soul is damned if you don't do this then it's just like holy shit Uh, yeah yeah okay so did you graduate high school I did. Yeah. Okay. So you graduated high school and then did you stay in Arizona or what happens in your life at that point I stayed in Arizona. I was like kind of doing the music thing. I was performing, you know, you know, playing shows here and there and writing music. And I was doing more of like the singer songwriter type of thing. Um, I had a rock band like when I was like 16 and it didn't end up working out. But I I think I was just I was really just trying to like do what I thought I was supposed to do. I, I went to community college. I hated it. I went for like a semester and I was I was just a little lost. I I wasn't really sure what I was supposed to be doing or how to do it. I knew that I wanted to be in music, but I just didn't have uh, the tools to get there. I also had no connections. I mean, I grew up in, you know, the middle of nowhere, Arizona with, you know, my dad was a cop and my mom had five kids. So like, I wasn't like connected in the music industry at all. So I was kind of starting from nothing. And I, I just, was kind of floating around. Like I, I kind of got involved with people that I probably shouldn't have been involved with. I was kind of getting in trouble a little bit, but still trying to stay focused. And then when I turned 21, I had just been like hanging around a group of people and not really doing anything, just working pretty much. And that was when I got the call that my brother had been in an accident and that was like kind of where my entire life just like sort of shifted was in that moment that I I found that out. Um, and he passed away. Yeah. I don't want to like go into anything that's going to 
re-traumatize you in any way. Um, That's but fine. Like, I'm, I'm really open about my feelings and my emotions and I, I'm an open book. So <laughs> I, nothing is going to re-traumatize me more than I've always been traumatized. <laughs> yeah. You're like me. Uh, <laughs> did your view on like death and afterlife change at all after this or is it the same yeah definitely I no it it, it changed everything <laughs> it completely rattled me from the inside out I yep. mean I, do you feel like I a started, different person completely different person yeah. yeah I mean I started questioning everything um every single thing uh everything that I had learned up to that point you know my conditioning up to that point um, my upbringing, you know, I was, I was an older child. So it was me and my older brother. He was about like a year and a half older than me. And then my parents waited a while and then, and then had my last three siblings. So I kind of grew up as like a little mom, like I was very like parentified. Mm. And yeah, so I, I had a lot of like people pleasing issues, like making sure that like, I was always doing things to never be on the wrong side of, of people's opinions and and all of that. And so I think at that point, it all of that kind of just went out the window <laughs> because I, I I sort of decided to be way more selfish than I than I had been my entire life. Um, because I mean, the way I look at it is like, you know, I have a hundred years if I'm lucky. You have a hundred years if you're lucky. Like. We should just be able to live our hundred years the way we want to and like leave everyone else alone. And that's, that was sort of my perspective coming out of it. Yeah. I'm interested in the like people pleasing aspect of it because I've a lot of, I'll say, I mean, honestly, I mostly have women on this podcast. I was going to say a lot of women feel this way, but I've had like a couple of men um, and some of them feel this way, but like, where does that people pleasing come from? You know, like, is it maybe yours is like, is it like church related and and just like ha being the older sibling and like having to k take care of? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Also, just sort of being like, I had to be the responsible kid. You know, I had to be the good kid. I have my, my older brother. Bless his soul. I feel so bad for him. I mean, he's the first kid. Everyone knows that like the first kid is the one that's like. You know, they're the they're the guinea pig for everything. So I would watch him get in trouble and I'd be like, cool, I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, also having just like so much responsibility at such a young age, which honestly for older generations is, is very normal to, especially in my culture. I mean, I'm a Mormon on one side and white and then on the other side, I'm Mexican. So in that culture, like the oldest daughter also is parentified and like is responsible for taking care of the siblings and that type of thing so culturally it's just like that's kind of just how it's been done for so long and and just now we're starting to realize like how how harmful that actually is because you know of all of the studies that are being done and people are just looking more into like mental health and where it's all stemming from so we get to enjoy the privilege of having these conversations whereas like uh, my parents did not get to like mm -hmm. just deal with it but um yeah I definitely think that being parentified at a really young age also being told that like your entire purpose is to like serve 
everyone but yourself uh has definitely made me like a people pleaser to to this day I'm still you know I'm in therapy and I'm really trying to like work through not being this person I'm way better at it now but yeah I mean throughout my all my 20s I was just like constantly people pleasing how did how have you worked on like changing that and and, I just stopped giving a fuck yeah (laughs) which is like it's easier said than done but that yeah that's the I I constantly practice just not just not caring because I think with people pleasing you care too much and so for me I meet it with just being like whatever I'm gonna do me like if this person is happy with me great if they're not that's a personal problem I don't you know I, I don't do anything to harm people and that's the point is that I was never doing anything to harm people, but I would feel intense shame if like someone didn't like me mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know, or if someone didn't like something that I did or something that I wore, I'd be like, oh no, no, like they don't like me. And now I'm just like, cool, that's great. Everyone has an opinion. I don't care, you yeah. know, that's sort of how I'm I'm able to get through it. And then obviously therapy, talking to your therapist and all of these different things, like they're able to give you tools to to get past it so that it's not hindering your life. Is there how is therapy new or is that something you've done for a while? Um, I started doing therapy a couple years ago. Um, I, I just I feel like I was like at a place where I need I just needed more help. I was having all of these realizations all at once, like everything that we're talking about now. It just all kind of like hit me like a train that you know, the way that I was raised, you know, the Mormon church, I had been through, you know, some like abusive experiences with relationships. Like it all just sort of hit me all at once, like a few years ago. And I was like, okay, I can't just like take all this in by myself. I have to be able to like get it out and talk about it and get to a place to where like, I can realize, okay, this is where all of the trauma is from. And now how do I get past it? What type of therapy is it? Is it like a traditional talk therapy or is it something specific? Yeah, it's traditional talk therapy. I mean, I've thought about doing other forms of trauma therapy. Um, I I have friends that have done it. They've done like the therapy where you like, yeah, like tap on your head. What is I've it? talked about that a couple times on this podcast, and I think like three people have done it and they loved it. Everybody really? I've talked to who has done it has been like, best decision I've ever made they say it's really hard and like intense because you're essentially reliving your most traumatic moments but you're doing like a tapping thing or it sometimes it's a beeping thing um so that you know that you're in the present moment and you're not back in that moment but you're still wait so what is it is it the EMDR is yes that what it's uh-huh. okay yeah so I've been I've been really wanting to do that. I mean, I don't feel like my trauma is debilitating. I I I don't know. I feel like I just have like a person inside of me that's like can weather any storm. I've just always been that way. But I it's still in there. <laughs> it's gonna get me. <laughs> yep, you're preaching to the choir. Yep. I've thought about doing that type of therapy too, but like I think it's better if you find like a specialist in that area um and then it's like those are fucking expensive and then you know that whole thing our whole uh healthcare industry in america thing you know oh don't i know (laughs) don't i know yeah okay so then okay 
so your brother passes. We're going to go back a little bit. Your brother passes. What next in your life? Like you start being like, I don't give a fuck. Actually, question about that. I don't give a fuck mentality. Mm -hmm. I, for me, some like I feel like I'm like a pendulum. Like I'm either really far one way or really far the other. And it's hard for me to like find like a middle ground on it. And I feel like, I feel like my I don't give a fuck mentality has sometimes like caused me, not sometimes, it has caused me to have like a smaller friend group. Have you experienced that at all? Or has your friend group like expanded because of it? Oh yeah, no. I've always been the type of person that like, I never have like a friend group. I always had like a friend. I always yeah. had like like my best friend, like the person I could confide in about anything. And then everyone else was just kind of like, I was, fr- I was very friendly. I had lots of friends, but they were more like acquaintance friends. That was like all through school. And I've just always been that way. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think of what I was going to say. I was going to say something I don't remember now. No. Yes. No. Yeah. So I've, I've always just been that kind of person, but yeah. I feel like the older you get too, the more you realize, like, I don't need a million friends. I just, yeah. I just need solid people in my life that like understand me and love me and unconditionally. And I think also being in the music industry too, you just learn very quickly that like not everyone is your friend. <laughs> you, yeah. Do you, you, do you ever have- worry? Oh, go ahead. Oh no, you're fine. I was gonna say, do you ever worry that like, cause obviously you're in the music industry, I'm in entertainment. So like, how many people like us does kind of matter for so it's like it's really hard to balance that because I'm definitely the type of person who's like I don't fucking like whatever I'm doing what I want I don't fucking care but then at the same time I'm like oh but I forget that I have to be people someone has to like me or they're not going to consume my content so like how do you balance that I mean the the way I look at it is that there's always going to be someone who doesn't like you always like it, do- it doesn't matter what you do. You could say anything like you could be mother Teresa and there's still going to be people that hate you for no reason because it has nothing to do with you. You know, I'm, I've learned that like other people's opinions of you is just a mirror of them. It, it has nothing to do with you. And this is so funny. Lil Wayne. I just watched a, a Lil Wayne meme the other day. <laughs> And he, I fucking loved him, by the way. Um, he was talking about letting the world be your mirror, but don't let them judge you because the mirror doesn't judge you. You judge what you see in the mirror. I know, right? Ugh. Yeah. He's one of the best. Yeah. Greatest. But it, that is definitely how I look at it is also like separating myself from my art has been really helpful for me. I know it's because you do comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah it's kind of hard with comedy because your comedy is who you are it's yep. like it's your personality and so if people don't like your comedy it's kind of like they don't like your personality yeah totally <laughs> and then I'm like oh, all right well fuck. <laughs> but there's always going to be people that do like you you know and I don't think it's about making everyone like you I think it's just about finding the people that do like you and then building that community with those people as opposed to trying to like you know, do like a shotgun type of thing and just try to get like everyone, which I've learned. I mean, I haven't always been an awesome, you know, artist. I haven't always been like someone that like had all my stuff figured out and my sound and my image and like all of that. Yeah. How did you figure that out? 
I just, just learning myself more, you know, and getting to a place to where I stopped comparing myself to other people. And I started just trusting myself and, and trusting the process, which is like, you know, it's easier said than done because, you know, when you have friends that are really successful and they're doing really well, and you're just like, I want a piece of that. How do I get that? Well, they did this and they did that. So maybe I should try those things as opposed to just being like, no, keep your head low, focus on what you're doing, be really, really good at it. And the people that love you and the people that want to be around you and want to consume your art, they will be there. And you will find those people, but you're not going to find those people trying to be 70 other people, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you deal with like friends? This is something that like I've never had to deal with, but when you're in a city for a long period of time, you start seeing your friends and your peers and people around you like succeed in ways you want to succeed. Like that was never something I had to worry about when I first moved here, you know, because everybody was trying. But now I'm seeing people like become really successful and I'm like, well, what the fuck, man? Like, I don't what why aren't I doing that? Or like, you know what I mean? Or like, oh, exactly what you said. Like, oh, they're doing like I don't know, for comedy, it's like, oh, they're doing like a bunch of characters. I should learn to do that. And I'm like, I'm not a sketch person. I'm not going to, I'm never going to be that. I don't do characters. I shouldn't, not that, like, I'm not interested in it. It's just like not, I'm not, it's not something that I'm good at or I want to become good at. And those people are so good at it that I'm just like, I'm going to leave it to them and focus on the stuff that I'm good at. But then I'm like, but I know this is what makes like fucking people successful on Instagram or TikTok or like, you know what I mean? So like, how do you, how do you deal with people? I mean, I don't know. You're successful as it is, but like, are there peers around you who you feel like are on a level you want to be at? Oh yeah. I mean, I have, I have friends from all different, you know, walks of life. I, I have friends that are, you know, very successful. I have friends that are very famous. I have friends that are on the same level as me, people who are just getting started. Um, I just, I just don't choose to focus on any of it, That like, they are just, they are people in my life that I love and we support each other. And, you know, obviously being in an in industry, like the, like the industry that we're in, in the entertainment industry, it's really, really hard to not compare yourself to other people's stories, their, their paths. Also, you just have no idea, like, someone could just like come from money. And so they have all the time in the world to dedicate to their, to their dream and their passion. And, you know, people like me, like I have to actually, I have to work for money. And luckily I'm, I'm at a point where, you know, my music is doing well enough to where I, I don't have to have like a day job anymore, but I bartended for 10 years, you know, while I had friends that were just like living my dream. And I struggled with that a lot. I was not always the type of person that was just like, Oh, I'll, you know, I'm fine. Like, I'm just going to keep going. It was, it was a struggle. It was definitely hard to watch other people do really, really well, especially when you feel entitled, which is something I, I had to sort of rid myself of is I feel like I'm, I am a really talented person. And for some reason in my mind, that meant that I was entitled to success because I was talented as if like, there's not a hundred million other talented people in the world. <laughs> um god that's such a good I, reminder like I feel yeah. like that it's just like this is a feeling that I'm not used to like I'm not used to feeling that way that entitlement of being like well I'm talented what the fuck 
And, and so it's definitely a new thing that I'm grappling with, but what you're saying like makes complete sense and is like super helpful for me. And I'm sure a bunch of other people to hear. Yeah. I mean, these are all like, these are all realizations I've come to in like the last few years, you know, prior to that, I was a hot mess. I was, you know, I was being pulled in a million different directions. I was doing this. I was doing that. I started doing pop music is like the first thing, um, that I did in the music industry because at the time, like Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga and Katy Perry, like that was all king in the music industry. So I was like, okay, well, this is what's big right now. So this is what I'm going to do because I want to be famous and rich and like, I want to have everything that these people have. And so I was just mimicking what I thought was working and it didn't work because it was already done. And, and what I learned is that the reason why those people got to where they were at was because they did something that was different from anyone else. And so that put them at that upper echelon. And now that they were living there, people like me and everyone that came after them were just trying to copy them instead of, you know, and I've just learned instead of riding the wave, you got to create your own wave. And so I stopped doing everything I was doing. I scrapped it. I was writing just for like TV and film. I was doing like writing for like commercials and TV shows and that kind of stuff. Just uh, basically background music. And uh, I was miserable. And I went into a session one day with a producer who I thought was kind of bossy. Like he wouldn't really like let me like make good decisions. And I felt like I had really good ideas. And I just went in one day and I was like, we're going to write something bratty. We're going to do it my way. And I was just like, very like, I'm going to be bossy today because I'm sick of being bossed around. And we wrote this song and it was insane. It was like, it was like prodigy meets nine inch nails meets Gwen Stefani. And I remember just like walking out and being like, holy shit, I did it. Like I, I found, I found my thing and no one else is like, no one else that I had known was doing anything like that. And that was what was so exciting about it was because I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm going to start making rock music in 2000, you know, 17, 2018 at a time where rock music, everyone was like, rock is dead. Rock is completely dead. And for me, I was just like, well, I guess I'm going to revive it then because this is what I love. Like, I feel so good making this and I'm going to keep doing it instead of just trying to copy everyone else. And it's ended up being very, very great for my career. That gave me goosebumps as you were talking. I was like, oh, goosebumps. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think like, you know, you just have to be you. Yeah. Like, what, what, whatever it is that you are really, really good at lean into that so hard even if you feel like it's that type of stuff doesn't perform well if you're really good at it it will perform well then Otzi will see that and you know they'll they'll be able to be like wow like if you don't do characters don't do characters because it's just not your thing you know yeah 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 god I have so many questions to ask okay like writing them all down as I think of them. Um, okay. So what has been your struggle within the music industry coming up? Cause I know you briefly in passing said something about how like not everybody's your friend in the music industry. And I'm mm-hmm. curious is like that, was that your biggest, has that been your biggest struggle or like, what are the challenges of being a, wo- a woman in the music industry? 
Yeah, my biggest challenge is just being taken seriously. Um, I think that women in the music industry are viewed as one thing, and I am like the complete opposite. I, I'm very involved in the business aspect of my career. I have a lot of vision. I, I don't just like go into the studio and like make pretty songs and then come out and like just like hand it off to a team and like let everyone do everything for me. Like I'm very, very involved in the start and the finish of every single aspect of all aspects of my career. Um, and so I would like the respect that I deserve because I do all of that work. And I'm not just like, I'm not just like, you know, floating through space, just being like, I'm an artist. Like I'm very serious about what I do. And I think the hardest thing that I've had to go through is just like mostly men, unfortunately. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making it up. Like it really just is what it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, having a hard time taking me seriously, especially as uh, as a business person. Um, I, I'm treated like, I don't know. I'm treated like I'm like a bobblehead, you know, like mm. there's a whole lot going on upstairs. And I don't know if it's the way that I look or the music that I make. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I've had a really hard time with people like taking me seriously. But to be honest, most of my success has come out of spite. So. <laughs> oh, elaborate on that. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like everything that's gone well for me has been because I was so angry about someone disrespecting me that I was like, I'm going to prove them wrong, you know, or someone telling me that I can't do something or, you know, taking away an opportunity from me or doing something that is very clearly aggressive or unfair in a business dealing, for example. And I'll just be like, okay, cool. Well, fuck you. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do it 10 times better than you could ever imagine, you know? And that, that's sort of been my entire process. Yeah. So in a way I kind of need people to fuck with me to make good music. Hey, I like, I like looking at it like that. That's a good way. That's a good, that's beneficial for everybody. Um, have you had a problem ever like saying no to things? Like, are you a, have you been a yes yeah. person? Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, you, when you are starting early on in your career, you're desperate and you're very, very desperate. And I think a lot of people, they continue to be desperate and that's why they never end up doing anything is because every single choice that they're making is based out of desperation as opposed to just like making the choices best for them. Um, and so I, 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 that's why like the whole first part of my career was such a flop was because I was just like, Oh, I'm going to do this with this person and this with that person. Cause like they're famous and they, you know, they have it going on and like, I'm going to do this feature with that person. And, and it was just all stuff that didn't make sense. And it made my brand really like kind of muddy and weird because I was making all of these choices that I thought were going to like get me to the goalpost faster instead of doing the things that I needed to do to like lay brick by brick by brick, because that takes forever and no one wants the goalposts to be that far away everyone wants it right now so yeah I was definitely very desperate in the beginning part of my career and then once I realized I don't know I like had a come to Jesus moment no pun intended <laughs> um, 
and a come to Jesus moment, just being like, no, this isn't how it works. Like you, you have, it's building blocks. You, it's very slowly one foot after the other and you make the choices that are best for you and you'll end up exactly where you need to be instead of being completely lost. Yeah. I, someone, I had like a, I think it was an acting teacher tell me once that there's power. He was like, there's power in saying no. Yes. And I was like, huh. This is the first time I ever had heard something like that. I think not to bring this back to gender, but I'm going to bring it back to gender. Um, but oh, like man. as a, as a, <laughs> I know as a woman, I feel like we're supposed to say, yeah, like maybe it's just me. I grew up, I was raised like in the South. So it was very much okay. like, you know, women, I don't want to say seen, but not heard, but a version of that. And you yeah. like, where you say like, yes not, to doing things from how I grew up. Yeah. It's like, it's rude. If you say no, it's rude. If you put yourself first, but don't be selfish. You know, you yes. need to be selfless. You need to put others before you. Mm -hmm. And then, and so that means you're going to say yes to pretty much everything, or you're going to feel like shit. Or you're going to feel shame or whatever. So saying no has been something which I think goes hand in hand with like setting boundaries has been something that I've had to like learn through therapy and time. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. I, yeah. You and I are very similar in that way. It's yeah. the, like the people pleasing thing. Like we're yeah. literally conditioned. It's in our DNA mm -hmm. to be the people. So we have to like do the work to get out of that hole so that we can actually be the people that we were meant to be. Yeah. I saw this interview. I think it was yesterday. It was Dolly Parton was getting interviewed and she was talking about how Elvis was going to record. I will always love you. Have you heard this interview? No, I haven't. Before? Okay. I so yeah. Love me. Uh, great. Um, so show, so Elvis was going to record. I will always love you. Um, after it was a hit with her and they were really excited. Everybody was so excited. She told her friends, she told her family, Elvis is recording my song, blah, blah, blah. The day before, his manager calls and is like, oh, by the way, like Elvis doesn't do anything for less than 50% of the uh, publishing royalties. And so he's only going to do this. He wrote the song. Uh-huh. And so he he was like, he's only going to do it if um, he gets 50%. And she was like, okay, well then he can't, um, he can't do it then. Like, no. And he was like, the, the manager was like, okay, fine. And he didn't end up recording it. And she was talking about how upset and like hurt she was. She wasn't mad at like Elvis or the manager and she knew it was like a money thing or whatever, but she was just like, I knew that I had to say, no, this was my thing. And then later down the line, Whitney Houston comes along. She obviously didn't ask for any publishing royalties. And uh, she got to keep 100% of it and it became fucking even more successful, which I think is I like think that's it's a Whitney fucking Houston. Like you, if anyone comes to you wanting to sing your song and it's Whitney Houston, it's like, but it was Elvis. Singers. Yeah, I mean, but like Elvis is like, you know, Elvis is Elvis. Like he's he is very much what he was. But like Whitney Houston is a singer. Like if yeah. you want someone to sing your song, like it was perfect. It was exactly what it needed to be. I just feel no. like that, that's such an example of there's power in saying no, even though it was like very probably very painful in that moment. Like you don't know what the future holds. She could have never known that Whitney Houston was going to sing her song in the future. You know, like I just it's hard. Perspective is hard. Um, I mean, you just have to, you have to be that way, especially as a woman in the music industry. Like people just expect you to just be like, okay, I'll yeah. take anything, you know, I'll, I'll take, I'll take anything, whatever you say. 
And like, also just because someone else signed a shitty deal and like did something horribly does not mean that I'm going to like, you're not, you're never going to push me into a corner and make me feel like I'm not in control of my own destiny. And what's funny to me is it's like, I feel like you can hear that in my music, but people, I don't know if they think I'm pretending, I'm just like pretending to be this like badass bitch in my music. Like, no, that's, that's who I am. And don't fuck with me. I, yeah, I knew I liked you from the beginning because I feel <laughs> I feel the same way. But it's also like hard in comedy to be like that, t- like because I think my, my brand, quote unquote, has like fluctuated so much. But like when I'm a when I feel the most myself is like when I'm kind of the badass bitch of comedy. But people don't always like that, and so it's like having to fight through people being like, "What the fuck is that?" You know what I mean? No, totally. And yeah, I feel like in those moments where people are just like, oh, it's like, okay, well, clearly you have mommy issues. I mean, I'm just living my life over yeah. here. <laughs> like, also, I just got an idea for something that and I need to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so happy I, can, I could add. Yeah. To I'm telling you, I knew I liked you from the moment I met you. Um, uh, what is like, what one of the harder moments is there like a moment in your music career or multiple moments of an incident that was very hard for you or that affected you in a big way whether it's Uh, positive or negative I was thinking negative but I guess it could be positive too oh man that affected me in like I know you said like being a woman is very hard and I'm curious if it's something like that because like every time I mean I'm not really in the music I mean I'm not at all I'm around it some but like every time I go anywhere especially if it's a show everyone backstage is a dude all like you know the the tour manager the production manager the uh like sound I don't know what they call sound design and yeah uh, sound, sound engineer engineer like everybody is or like the lighting, everybody is is male, and so I'm like, even just being backstage and seeing all that, I'm like, what the f- this sucks. Like, this, yeah. You know? So I can imagine being the actual artist feeling that way. Maybe it's just the shows I'm at, but I'm sure it's probably. I mean, comedy is also just like rampant with men. Oh and yeah, female comedians. There, there's that. Everyone always says that like women aren't funny. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Which is hilarious to me because, yes, they fucking are. They're <laughs> way more funny than most men I see doing comedy, unfortunately. But, um, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely – you get used to it, I guess. I, I don't even notice that I'm surrounded by men, and that's what's so sad about it is that you don't even think about – you don't even think about the fact that there's like no other girls around you. I think you're just in such survival mode, like just trying to like make it happen that you don't even think about that kind of stuff. Mm. But like, you know, in my, in my art and everything that I do, I try, I try to involve as many women as possible. Like I love, you know, working directly with women at all of the companies that I work with and making sure that like, the vision isn't lost in translation between me and a dude because, you know, my vision is very clear. You know, I have a very, I wouldn't say like, it's not like a high, I'm not like a hyper feminist, but like definitely a very strong, powerful female vision. So 
I do my best to just try to work with as many women as possible, but there are also like very few like female producers, you know, people that like we do the things that I need to like work with. So it's kind of, it's, it's definitely really hard, but I, I think the point of that is to, not the point, it's not the point. It's, important to remember that like we are going to be the generation that starts opening it up a little bit more so you know like as we're enjoying our success opening our arms to a lot of women instead of just being like oh yeah like the my my label set up this team and and you know my publisher wants me to write with all these people it's like once you're at a point where like you are fully running the ship and you are in full control and like no one says no to you that is when you like open everything up and you just like hire only women (laughs) yeah and like that's the thing is like it is I have so many thoughts on this but it's like yeah, there probably are less female producers because representation matters and they don't see themselves reflected in that world. So they're like, well, how could I be the first or, you know, one of the few women producers? I can't do that. It's clearly a man. So then people don't try. So that's why, like, I feel like representation in every area of entertainment is so important. So people feel like like they can succeed in that. And they, you know, that's why we get more diversity in every field. Um God, what was that? What else was I going to say? Something yeah, I think it, I think it just start. It definitely starts with us. I mean, uh-huh. it starts with women before us. We just got to make sure that, you know, we're not falling into the trap of only hiring men. Yeah, that's know? what I was going to say. Like, it's going to be harder to like find women um, in in all of these different like producer or just like on on the road or whatever sound engineer, but like it's worth it being harder for you to find that person and opening doors, like you said, for them as, as you get more successful and people don't want to say no to you or can't say no to you. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you go out of your way to find that female engineer, you go out of your way to find that female producer and you like bring them into your world and you mentor them and you do the things that you need to do to like, make sure that there is way more representation because yeah, it's, it's very true. Like, when you think about music producers, I mean, every, almost every producer I've worked with has been a guy. I mean, I've only worked, I think in my entire career, I've only worked with two female music producers, which is wild to me. And it's not because I'm choosing to only work with men. It's because they're, they're just like, they're nowhere. It's so hard to find. And they're not like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really disheartening, but like, you can't let it be. You just got to yeah. do what you can do to like move forward and reach out your hand when you can and like help people that need it most you know Mm -hmm. totally um as we wrap up I have one last question for you if you could give a piece of advice to someone who's experiencing a low point in their life or a low season uh what would you tell them um I would say this is only because this is what I like to do. When I'm not feeling good, I like to do breath work. So I like to breathe because Ooh, it, gets, yeah. it gets me centered. It gets me grounded again, because especially like with anxiety, 
those types of things can just like that can just get your head spinning and you're not going to be doing anything but like thinking about horrible things and it's only going to make everything worse so I like to do breath work and I like to get out into nature because I think we forget because we have these like little rectangles of death that we stare at every day we forget that like that's not the real world and like this is a real world like get your feet into some grass like go drive somewhere far away and just like sit in nature for a second and just be quiet because I feel like what happens is a lot of us we go through really tumultuous times and then in those moments we can't even get peace to decide how we feel about it so yeah, just get really far away from what you're used to. Just like sit in some fucking grass and sit around some trees. Just listen to the earth and just breathe. And then really think about how you want to process what's happening to you because that will give you a clear path to dealing with it as opposed to just like, you know, living in it while there's all of this noise constantly happening at the same time, you know? Yeah, I love that. I love that. This has been such a wonderful conversation, not only like to get to know you more, but like I have become inspired in a few different ways. So thank you you for having me. I mean, this is, I, I already love talking about this stuff in interviews and, and all that. So when you told me what the podcast was about, I was just like, this is, this is great. I mean, it's always so healing to be able to talk about it and express it. So I really appreciate you asking me to do it. Totally. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest singer, songwriter, musician Luna Aura. Head to her Instagram page, which is It's Luna Aura, to keep updated on song releases, shows, all that good shit. Uh, thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday.